Well, today on Your Story with Melinda, my guest is Greg Paul, the founding pastor of The Sanctuary in Toronto, a community where the wealthy and the poor live, share, and work together. And so it makes sense that he talked with me about resurrecting religion, finding our way back to the good news. Because the question is, have you ever wondered why people go to church, why people are religious, why people follow Jesus? Because it doesn't look very great to be religious. Well, he talks to me about what good religion means and that it means means following Jesus, following what he said, acting and doing what he did, and that is attractive to anyone. You're not going to want to miss this show. Greg Paul, so great to have you here in the studio with me. It's good to be here. So you're sort of taking a break from your pastoral roles. Yes. <laughs> and hanging out. So that's great. Um, talk to me a little bit about the sanctuary. A lot of people, sure. I think, within Toronto uh, know about the community and the role you know you have there. But internationally, it'd be great to hear what you do and the community that you serve. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a really long shaggy dog story. So I'll try to keep it keep it <laughs> okay. short. But. Um, uh, 25 years ago, myself and a group of guys who were playing in a rhythm and blues band in, in bars in Toronto uh, started gathering together to worship together. Mm-hmm. And um, the church that I, had, I was part of at the time commissioned me as a missionary to, to do outreach in the downtown core. So we were right near this, right near the corner of, of Young and Bloor, which is kind of center of, of downtown Toronto, mm-hmm. Canada's largest city and maybe the most multicultural city in the world. Yeah. And and yet a city that's full of people who are poor and excluded. So we began to, to um, just gather people together, and, and we had a sense of, of calling spiritually, but also the sense that this was not supposed to be an agency, a social service agency. It wasn't supposed to be an old-school relief mission. The word that kept coming up for us was community. So mm-hmm. we wanted to be a group of people who were trying to find a way to, to live their lives together. And, and of course— what we read in the Gospels, what Jesus teaches us is that the people that that we go to first are the people who are the neediest and most mm-hmm. excluded. So in our neighborhood, that at the time was people who were poor, uh, people who were homeless, lots of homeless folks, people struggling with addictions, mental illness. Uh, we were in a corner of what was then called the gay ghetto in Toronto for good reason because mm-hmm. Because gay and you know, queer folks were not safe to walk outside of that ghetto, they'd be, they'd be hurt, um, and, and so uh, queer folk were part of our community um, as well, and uh, people who are basically rejected everywhere else. Mm-hmm. So, so sanctuary first and foremost is a community of people, which includes all of all of the poor, excluded folks, people that I call beatitudes people in this book. But it includes also people like me who come from tremendous privilege. Um, and there's there's fewer of us who come from privilege. There's hundreds of people who don't. Um, but we're trying to find a way to live our lives together because we think that that's actually what Jesus calls us to do. It's a beautiful picture. Yeah. Um, you know, you've written this book, which is interesting for a pastor to write, especially with the title called Resurrecting Religion. Mm-hmm. And for anybody they're saying, wait a second, you're a pastor in Toronto, wouldn't you be about religion? Wouldn't your work be religious, right? And now you have 
this book called Resurrecting Religion. Why now to write that? And why resurrecting religion? I mean, isn't religion always been? Mm-hmm. Why do you need to resurrect it? Well, let's start with the concept of religion first. Sure. Uh, I, I think that clearly people's engagement with formal religion is dying in the developed world. So in Canada and in the U.S., the numbers of people who are attending church are just going off a cliff. And the younger you go, um, the sharper that decline is. So, so we're seeing, we are seeing the, a, a radical decline of formalized religion, uh, organized religion. And, um, and there's lots of good reasons for that. People are getting more and more uh, um, suspicious, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, of and uncomfortable with the idea of religion because there's so much bad religion around us. Yeah. So we see crazy stuff where, where people uh, who claim to be Christians are also racist. Mm-hmm. Um, people who claim to be Christians are also quite willing to uh, judge and condemn people who don't look like them, yeah. whether it's people of color or people who are um, have a different... Uh, gender sensibility or sexual orientation or whatever it might be. And, of course, around the world we see stuff that's even crazier and more violent, people who are blowing themselves up and taking dozens of other people with them out of a sense of religion. So there's this growing sense that religion is bad, it's dysfunctional, and religion is hurting the world, and, and uh, you know, we've got atheists, atheist apologists like Christopher Hitchens who, you know, God is not good, mm-hmm. this idea that because religion has been so harmful, and, and in many cases it's accurate, yeah. Um, and dysfunctional that God himself is not good. And, and so there's, there's lots of reasons for us to be nervous about religion. The problem with it is that when we get to that point and we, we still have a spiritual impetus, and, and the numbers of people who identify as spiritual have not changed, in, interestingly enough, even as the numbers of people who identify as religious have declined radically. So people still identify as yeah. spiritual. They have a spiritual sensibility, a spiritual hunger. They want to have some kind of spiritual life. Um, The problem with ditching religion is, apart from it not being biblical, is that that what we're doing then is we're retreating into a spirituality that's individualized and it's private and and it commands uh, no action in the world around us. We might choose to act, but we don't have action compelled by by a shared faith mm-hmm. and there's very little accountability as well yeah. so you know you're bringing up some things because those are the same things i've heard from people mm-hmm. and they've justified it by saying you know well religion church gathering you know i can do that over a dinner party mm-hmm. and you can it's great to yeah. meet but are you serving yeah. are you actually opening arms up for the community yeah how are you meeting needs of the people? Yeah. Um, and that's been an interesting, you know, Greg, for me, you know, growing up as a missionary, church, Bible college, and then seeing a lot of my friends who grew up that way completely leave mm-hmm. and then justify very, you're right, an individual yep. sense of religion yeah. and, and justifying it and therefore will not participate you know, yeah. communally or even go to church. It's really been fascinating for me. Well, and, you know, even our communal expressions usually of church are are not really outward looking. So so here's where the resurrecting part comes yeah. in. I would argue that, that much of what we practice as Christian religion is in fact dead or dying uh, in, in that we, we engage, we may engage together. Uh, we may gather together weekly for worship, 
but we don't engage outward in the world, not as a group we don't. So we've developed a sense that the church is supposed to be a place where we come to be encouraged and equipped and maybe gain some kind of healing. And then as individuals, we go out into the world mm. and we try to, to live a life of faith in the world. But what we see in the Bible, what we see Jesus teach, what we see him model, and what we see the early disciples model is a communal living out of this faith. So, so the problem with the dinner party is, is that it simply doesn't go far enough. Right. It's still about us. Yeah. It's still just about us. And Jesus is never just about us, his little mm. group of people. He's got the disciples who are with him, and he's got a group of, of close followers who, in, who mm-hmm. include uh, a lot of really wonderful women. Yeah. But um, he's got thousands of people that he's concerned about because they have leprosy or, um, or because they've been rejected one way or another or because they have demons or, or a variety of reasons, yeah. right? And those are the people that Jesus is engaging with, and he's teaching his disciples to engage them as well. Mm-hmm. So we see it lived out in the early chapters of Acts where, where they're actually living out their faith in the public square, literally in the public square. They're gathering in the, in the courtyards and temple courtyards of, of the city of Jerusalem by the thousands. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have intimate moments as well. They retire to dinner parties. Yeah. They, they have they, they share have their break and bread and, and, yeah, exactly. and so on. But there's this living out of the life of, of the communal life of faith. Uh, that I think is really powerful and it's what Jesus yeah. calls us to. And that's been pretty much lost, I would say, in most Protestant tradition at least and so, in the majority of Catholic tradition so as well. So it makes sense when you say resurrecting religion because if in your definition or what we see in the world, that is bad religion. And who would want to be a mm-hmm. part of that? And no we don't want to, to resurrect that, that do No, we, we don't. So There's not, enough of that. Yeah, so this is, this is not about saying go back to church. right. This, there's nothing in here that's about yeah. go back to church and really you should go and you should do your hour and a half or two hours once a week. Like do your duty and go, right. Yeah, there's, there's nothing about that here. Yeah. This is about saying that's bad religion too in a way or, or at least if, if not bad religion, it's truncated religion. It's religion mm-hmm. that's had the hands and feet and lopped off of it and it's just lying there. Yeah. So we need to, to learn to, to live this out in some kind of more constructive fashion yeah. um, the way Jesus did. We yeah. need to go where Jesus went and do what Jesus did yeah. if we say that we follow him. So let's talk about in the book, you know, you've, you've, you identified the bad and then you talk about what good religion looks like. And mm-hmm. after reading through it, you're like, I want to be a part of that. Yes. But, you know, I sat there, I'm like, how come we haven't either, you know, Greg, maybe you can tell me, but have we not seen that model somewhere that there's no place for us to be a part of that? Do we need to create it with our own, like what you did 25 years ago with the sanctuary? Like, what does that look like? But talk to me about good religion, because I think the more we talk about what could be, what is happening, I think more people in the world would be like, I can get on board with that. Yeah, so I think there is good religion in pockets. And always yeah, has okay. been. There's, al- there's always been little communities of people who are doing something amazing. You know, Father Damien working in a leper colony and, mm-hmm. and, and people doing that sort of stuff around the world. So, so there's always been this in pockets. But, but I think we've retreated to uh, the kind of religion that we have now because it's easy and it's comfortable and it's compartmentalized. And then mm-hmm. we can get on with the rest of our lives and do the things that we want to do. Right. Yes. And so, so what, yes. what we do essentially as Christians is we take the salvation and run. Right, we we take this we take the work of the cross as this personal thing where Jesus, 
died and rose again to save me from my sins, and, and thank God he did. Yeah. Um, but we take that, and then we, we don't live it out. We don't, we don't view Jesus really, honestly, as master and Lord or as teacher mm-hmm. in our lives. So, so we don't treat the gospel seriously, to be honest. We, we yeah. just don't. We don't preach Why? them Why seriously. Do we? Uh, because it's because I think it's I think there's a bunch of reasons, probably, but but I think largely it's because it's more comfortable for us. I, I think we, the, the whole modernist w- way of thinking that that came out of uh, the Renaissance and the Reformation, led us to a gospel that was about proclamation. So, so let's proclaim the precepts of the gospel, and people need to believe them intellectually and and. Bob's your uncle, right? So it's all about personal salvation. Um, And and not that that that's not true, but it's not enough. It's not the whole gospel. So Martin Luther in the the Reformation um, articulated uh, a part of the gospel that had been lost, if you like. The, The church had got to the point where it was all about what the church did, and it was all about church tradition and church authority. And the good thing about it was that there was some sense of being communal. There, there was a communal way of living mm-hmm. in this. The bad part of it was that there was no sense of the person's capacity to approach God and to receive salvation uh, and forgiveness directly from God because of the work of Jesus. So, mm-hmm. so Martin Luther announces that, and that becomes the big push for the next 500 years. becomes the big push. Yeah. And, and for evangelicals, if you ask them what the gospel is, most of the time what they'll say is, well, well, Jesus is the son of the living God. He lived, died, and rose again to, to save us from our sins, which is true. But the, the larger truth within which that smaller truth mm-hmm. <laughs> exists is that Jesus did that in order to defeat sin and death of every form. Every form. Not just the sin in my life, but the sin in the cosmos. Mm. The sin in human wow. systems. Yeah. The sins that create poverty. In oppression of one kind or another. And so if we want to follow Jesus, we want to embrace that entire gospel. Yeah. And, and we want to accept not only the salvation that he provides by his life and, and death and resurrection, but, but we want to accept the teaching and the modeling that he provides us by his actions mm-hmm. as well as his words. So what we see is not him going to the synagogue for once, once a week and, and you know, rolling out a great sermon, what we see is Jesus walking the dusty streets yeah. and touching the untouchables and healing people and feeding the sick. And so, Greg, how do we so get on. back to him in this? Because I've heard so many times people say, I, I can get Jesus. Yeah. I just can't get the whole, again, religion, institution, church. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that question comes up a lot to me. And so, you know, the answer, I'm like, well, you know, I said you know, within community and within church, you know, you can learn and, and know more about Jesus and they'll say, no, I can just find out about Jesus mm-hmm. on my own. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's this constant yeah. conversation yeah. that seems to be out there in culture. And and I get it. I mean, Jesus is great. I mean, I when I look at Jesus, the first thing I'm saying, he was so for women. Like he loved women. You know, women were his disciples. They followed him. You know, he when he rose again. In many again, ways, was, his most faithful yeah, disciples. Yeah, like, yeah. and and in that time, that was 
completely radical and revolutionary yeah. for a man like him to mm-hmm. be so for women. And so that's the one thing I'm just like, it makes sense. So how do you answer makes sense of that? Because it's like, I they can get Jesus, but then I think it's the next step is then in following him, what will that call you to do and be a sure, part of, right? And so, so I think that if, if people if people say, I get Jesus and I like Jesus, but I don't like church, yeah. I don't like going to church, I don't think the answer necessarily is to convince people to to go to church. Um, That's going to work for some people. It's not going to work for others. But if the people really are serious about getting Jesus, Mm -hmm. it it means following him. And and what does it look like when we follow him? I asked this of of a church group that I was doing some work with um, one time a couple of years ago. And and they said, well, they you know they'd be faithful in their marriage relationships, and they wouldn't cheat on their taxes, and They'd pray, and they <laughs> didn't. Uh, yeah. weren't quite sure, and, and, and they started to look embarrassed. And I said to them, "Well, you know that's not enough, don't you?" And they said, um, "Yeah." So, what would it look like if we really followed Jesus? And then some guy uh, came up with this brilliant answer. He said, "Well, I guess we'd go where he went and do what he did." So you can't wow. you can't yeah. just like Jesus. Yeah. This is not Facebook. It's not like like. Right? Yeah. Love hard or yeah. sad face. It, yeah. this is, it's about following Jesus. Yeah. It's about saying if Jesus, um, if Jesus went to, you know, started off his life in, in an oppressive situation and lived his entire life in a culture that was being oppressed by an empire and, and he consistently went to the people who were poor and excluded and, and untouchable and rejected – then that's what I need to do too. Yeah, I need good. to follow him there because that's what following does. And, and so when I go to those places, then I'm going to begin to say, well, if I'm encountering somebody who's sick or hungry, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. How do I do what Jesus did? Well, I'm going to feed people. I'm going to see, seek their healing, their release from oppression. I'm, I'm going to seek uh, to flip the tables of, of bad economics. Yeah. Um, I'm going to try to seek the release of people from demonic oppression of whatever kind. And I don't want to get too far out about that, but that could mean many things. Yeah. We, we might even be thinking about, well, what does it mean when Jesus raises people from the, from the dead? Mm. How are we supposed to raise the dead? And, and I don't have an answer <laughs> for that, but, but, <laughs> but we need to be thinking about those questions if we're serious about following Jesus. The thing is, Greg, yes, but I don't think people want to because there's a cost to that. It's course, messy yeah. Yeah. and it's going to call us out to the comfort exactly. that we so keep and yeah. we so desire, which then in a way, and the opposite way, it's actually not healthy, obviously. But that's what I'm saying. It's like sure. the call is great. Yep. I don't know if we really realize that, but no, it's great, w- but but good. Yeah, right? and I think, but it's always been this way, yeah, hasn't it? I know. And so so this, is, this is the challenge of the call. I think we are... We have been taught by our broader culture and certainly by church culture to approach things from a consumerist perspective. So we go to church. We go to services, actually. Church provides services to us. (laughs) Have you ever thought about that? No, but now I'm hearing it. (laughs) We go to church services, and we sit there, and we are served by a bunch of people who provide music. We're entertained. preaching mm-hmm. and encouragement, whatever else is provided, and it might be good stuff that's provided, but we are actually receiving a service. We're consumers of a service. Mm-hmm. And, and there's, that's not biblical language, serve church services. It's biblical language to serve each other. 
right? Yeah. And to serve people who are poor and excluded. So, so you're right. We've been taught to be consumers. There are lots of people for whom maybe church doesn't have a lot of validity anymore, and you'll have to forgive me for this, but, but their version of it is to listen to podcasts, or to to watch oh, yeah. stuff on YouTube, and watch you on know? YouTube, and oh, no, and, and really, I'm I know. doing my thing as yep. a Christian because I'm paying attention to to you know the guests that Melinda presents to us, mm-hmm. and so on. But keep listening. But keep listening, anyway. and still and follow Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what are we going to do to actually follow well, exactly. him? Exactly. Where yeah. are we going to go, and what are we going to do? Because that's the fundamental question, so isn't it? Yep, so good. And this is what James has to say, right? So half of the book is, is about, about James because this is exactly what James is wrestling with. James is wrestling with all the inequities and all the bad religion in the world around him. And what he comes to very quickly saying to us is, look, this is what true religion, true undefiled, unpolluted religion mm-hmm. is to look after widows and orphans in their affliction and to keep ourselves unpolluted by the world. And in the first instance, what he means by widows and orphans is, is they're kind of a figure of everybody who's poor and, yeah. and oppressed and rejected and excluded for whatever reason. Um, and, and looking after them doesn't mean just to look at them. It means to, to, to first of all, to see them, but also then to care for them, to, to meet their immediate need, whatever that might be, hunger or clothing, uh, and, and then also to look out for them for the future, to figure out what's a better future. How can mm-hmm. we work towards a better future? That's, That's good because it seems like always like some people just stop, mm-hmm. but they don't think. I've, I've never yeah. heard what you're saying. Yeah. Is So it's actually picture. all inherent. If, yeah. if, you, if you do the word study, you'll find that. It's all inherent in in the Greek terminology that's used. And then we often also think keeping ourselves unpolluted by the world is about moral uprightness. You know, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to cheat in my taxes or my wife. Um, and, and yet, and it's, those, those are good things, obviously. <laughs> but, um, but that's not what James is talking about. There's an unfortunate chapter division there. And if you go in into chapter 2, what he's saying is, is, look, when a rich guy comes into your, your church and you give him the place of honor and you t- t- tell the poor guy, go sit at the back, yeah. that's being polluted by the world. So what he's getting at is, is our whole value system. We're being polluted by a desire for money, by a desire for influence, it's power. power. Uh, prestige, whatever it might be. And we've bought into the sense that, that the people who have accomplished something are the ones who are important in our world. Well, it's because we, even from beginning, you are valuable or valued by the output, what you do, what exactly. you bring. Yeah. Like how much do you make, mm-hmm. create, give yeah. back to the world? And if How you, productive are how you? How productive are you? Yeah. And if you can't, yeah. like my girlfriend... Nadine and her husband, Randy, have a severely disabled, developmentally challenged, and autistic son. And he is valuable mm-hmm. and loved by God. He can't yeah. do anything. He no, can't in, speak. He in, can't in do anything. In fact, what Jesus teaches us is, is that their son is closer to the kingdom of heaven than you and I are. And we've seen that. Yeah. It's, it actually makes me very emotional because we've been on a journey struggling where she was like, this is all I'm doing in my life. I said, yeah. this is all you're doing. Yeah. You're serving an autistic boy. Yeah who can't do anything, and you're loving him without getting the love that we so demand in return. Yes, yeah. And she, like, we've had lots of tears yeah. because that's the greatest thing. And he does. It. Once in a yeah. while, he'll, he'll hug or he'll sing a hymn yeah. randomly. Yeah. And there is something beautiful when I see him. I'm like, there's something of God in him that mm-hmm. we don't have. 
And so Jesus teaches of this, yeah. right? That's what the Beatitudes are all about. When we read the Beatitudes, you have to remember who Jesus is speaking to. He's speaking to a group of people who are sick, who are hungry, who are demon-possessed. Uh, and they have nobody to look to. They've come out to Jesus in the wilderness because none of the normal religious people are looking after them. And Jesus mm-hmm. looks over that crowd and he says, blessed are the spiritually bankrupt because the kingdom of heaven is for them. Mm. That's what that first statement means. And he carries on. He says, blessed are uh, the people who are um, mourning people whose lives are an unending litany of loss and destruction because they're going to be made strong together. They're going to be comforted. It means to be made strong together with the comforter, with somebody who's going to come alongside is what it means. And we know who that is, don't we? It's, it's God. It's the Holy Spirit. Yeah. But it's also other people. And, and, he, and again, he carries on. He says, blessed are the meek. Blessed, not blessed are the humble. That's not what it means. Blessed are the people who are shoved out and put down and oppressed and, and ripped off and held up. You know, Blessed are those people because they're going to inherit the earth. Blessed are those people who cannot go anywhere, who are always restricted, pushed to the mm-hmm. perimeter, because wow. when they inherit the earth, there'll be nowhere that they can't go. They can go everywhere. Right? In other words. Yeah. So, and, and on, oh, wow. on through, through the, the, the Beatitudes. What Jesus is teaching us is that the people who are at the center of the kingdom of God are not the people who are normally sitting in church on a Sunday. They're certainly not the people who are, are standing in the pulpit on a Sunday. And I say that as somebody who preaches every Sunday himself. Um, the people who are closest, right at the heart of the character and identity of the kingdom of God are the people who are rejected everywhere else. That's what Jesus teaches us. So if I want to experience the kingdom of God as a person of privilege and wealth and power, because that's me, then I need to go be with those people. I need to recognize that I'm actually out on the perimeter somewhere. We think of it as being, we talk about reaching out, don't we? Doing outreach. Doing outreach. Again, not the biblical term particularly. So what that infers is that we're at the center and we're reaching out to people. We've got it backwards. Actually, Jesus uh, is saying to us, no, no, you have to understand that people at the center of the kingdom of God are, are the people that I've spent all my time with. And, and those of you who are wealthy and powerful and living some kind of, of normal life, mm-hmm. you're around the perimeter. doesn't mean you're rejected, but you're on the perimeter and you're looking inwards. You have a function. Greg, that's a total reframing because those in church or those even like myself, we always mm-hmm. find that we're in the epicenter and you're right, looking out. Yes. And how do we go out to bring in? Yep. But that's yep. how we've been, I mean, I hate to say this, taught subtly, culturally in the church institution. That's that's always been said mm-hmm. to us. To us. Yeah. It's a, it's a default big. that's been framed for us and, and it's actually yeah. destructive to the gospel. You know, when I, when I started at Sanctuary 25 years ago, I had exactly this sensibility that I was being sent to, to go into the city to be the presence of Christ and to preach the gospel to people. And I had lots of experience already on the streets when I started doing that. But when it wasn't until I was there every day that I realized Jesus had got there before me. <laughs> <laughs> the nerve of him, you know, to run ahead Shoot. of me. He <laughs> right. was there already, and he was wow. there amongst these poor, broken people, and, and he was reaching out to me mm. through them. 
changing my life, converting me. And, um, and it shifted everything for me. Yeah. Amazing. The, the, the more I learned that. Greg, we could sit for hours and you could talk with me and maybe we'll have to do that something like a marathon, <laughs> a podcast marathon that, like won't, that. that won't replace church but can be <laughs> a companion or an addendum to church. Finding Our Way Back to the Good News, Resurrecting Religion by Greg Paul. You can get it on Amazon. You have some great reviews on Amazon. Oh, oh I went on. There was a whole range of people yeah. saying great things about what you say in your writing. Um, every viewer and listener needs to pick this book up. Uh, we didn't even get to the very end, which I love, which was at the very end of the book, a 21st century reformation. Like, where do we go from here? Mm-hmm. And as a teaser, and you're needing to get the book so you can find out what Greg says, he talks about we'd actually follow Jesus, we'd preach a whole integrated gospel, we'd be focused on a practical justice, um, our energies would be directed outward, which is what we spoke about, and we'd be committed to community. And I think anybody can get around that. Yeah, I think and it would be great. We'd have joyful, <laughs> deeply fulfilled lives, ah! and we wouldn't be frustrated by And you wouldn't have to write and, books yeah, like this yeah. because everybody got it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Greg Paul, thank you so much for being with me. Um, an amazing community at Sanctuary Toronto. Uh, this is your fifth book. So you could get actually all five of Greg Paul's books, mm-hmm. right? That would be yep. great. Um, but this one definitely is a must for, I think, every church, every household, every student somebody needing some reading over the summer or whenever, Resurrecting Religion, Greg Paul, get it. Thanks again. What a pleasure to have you. Thanks so much, Melinda. It's great to be here. Wow, what an awesome episode. You know what else would be really awesome? Subscribing to my show. So click that subscribe button on YouTube or search for Your Story with Melinda on your favorite podcasting service to download the show weekly to your mobile device. 